he is the victim of a crime. We have agreed never to go back. Never. What was the purpose of our leaving? Let us not forget it was out of hope of something good and right. You should not have made decisions without us. You have gone I'm guilty, Robert. I made a decision of the heart. I cannot look into another's eyes and see the same look I see in August without justification. It is too painful. I cannot bear it. You have jeopardized everything we've made. Who do you think will continue this place, this life? Do you plan to live forever? It is in them that our future lies. It is in Ivy and Lucius that this, this way of life will continue. Yes, I have risked. I hope I am always able to risk everything for the just and right cause. If we did not make this decision, we could never again call ourselves innocent. And that, in the end, is what we have protected here. Innocence! That I'm not ready to give up! Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike. And boy, uh, I think this is our first M. Night Shyamalan feature. Is it really? And I believe so. Isn't that a surprise? I'm a little surprised. Yeah, me too. And uh, we're going to kick things off with uh, with a bang for M. Night. We're talking 2004's The Village. Ah, uh, this is where it all went wrong for M. Night. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And you know, I couldn't get the thought of uh, Make America Great Again, the movie vibes with this one. You got a bunch of... (laughs) You got a bunch of white people who are like, boy, crime. There's a lot of crime around here. (laughs) And we're all affected. You know, I didn't know until today I was doing a little bit of research for uh, this episode that the original script, that was the last line of the movie, apparently. Which was um, <laughs> this is such a trilogy in theory thing to do, and I realize this film's almost twenty years old. We're we're coming a year up uh, on its twenty uh, year anniversary next summer. Um, so, spoiler alert: I will just say that uh, the driver uh, that comes into contact with our hero, who's a bit unaware of how <laughs> modern society does things, uh, the driver in the truck. Uh, after dropping our, our person off, uh, says fucking white people and just keeps driving. And I thought, man, what a, you know, uh, that would definitely stay in now. That would, if it was, this was released today, that would definitely stay in. I only know this because apparently the script leaked, uh, back in the Ain't It Cool days or late Ain't It Cool days and they thought it was fake. 
they thought the M night was playing the long con and had released a fake M night script. And they're like, there's no way a movie will end with this line of dialogue. Unfortunately, they were right about that, but they were wrong in that the rest of it was actually the <laughs> film that was going to come out summer 2004. I mean, it, it is surprising. Maybe maybe it's because it's 2023 and we're looking at a film that is almost 20 years old, but it is just a bunch of white people who were tired of the crime and they're like, we're going to go, we're going to do away with the rest of the world and we have enough money to keep even airplanes from flying over us. What bothered me about that the most... Because as always, when it comes to race relations, what's going to stick out to me is when you include Brendan Gleeson in your little summer camp. And I'm like, you're not even doing period accurate. It's like, where did this guy and his accent come from? You don't you don't go to the towns. You don't have any influence from outsiders. But we have this wildly different <laughs> accent in place here. Couldn't stand it. Um, <laughs> that's probably not what 2023 listeners want to hear. It's a white guy with a Kentucky accent being like, you know what bothered me? Brennan Gleason. Not the fact that they're all white. It's just that they could not get the Renaissance Fair the way I wanted it to. <laughs> uh, as you mentioned, this is absolutely the turning point in Shyamalan's career. But you know what? The Village still feels like a film that is made by a competent filmmaker. And a lot of that is because of, like, you've got a great score by James Newton Howard, and you've got Roger fucking Deakins filming your movie. Like, it looks uh, superb. And I I actually, all the problems with the with, with the plot and the story and the holes and, you know, and that you can poke into this, this, the fabric of this film... All of that, I actually like The Village quite a bit still. I was still on the bandwagon. Um, and I wonder who who is to blame here for the negative reaction. Is it is it the audience who, I, I guess, you know, I, I was with somebody who was like, oh, I, I, I called that movie like two seconds in and I was hoping the whole time it wouldn't be this twist and it was and the movie's <laughs> terrible, so fuck you. <laughs> Is it is it that person's <laughs> fault or is it M Night's fault? Because you made the previous three movies hinging on a bit of a twist ending, and so are you training your audience, or are you digging yourself a giant hole with each film to try and either outdo it or try and be eight steps ahead of the viewer? Who the heck are we to blame for for Shyamalan's I guess fall from grace? In that particular case. Uh, and I don't think it's specific just to your experiences because I heard a lot when this came out as well that the twist sucks. The twist is stupid. Uh, Roger Ebert uh, really had a problem with it. Like he, he just, I guess, just found it so impractical that and, and offensive. It just and it's. I'm talking about the execution of the world. I think he really got <laughs> into the weeds on. You know, so we're going to have these rich white fucks that can pay the government to make it a no-fly zone <laughs> over over their little, you know, LARPing uh, experiment. I I actually think that people would have gone along with the twist if the set pieces, if you will, if the monsters were more engaging to them. I think it's just a lot of things that were not working for people. I don't think that... 
most people wanted the heavy. I mean, this is capital R romance. You, if I was working in a video store, I would have put this in the romance section as opposed to put it in you know horror or thriller. And I don't think that they were digging that particular vibe. I watched a little bit of. I'm presuming some DVD extra features. I found it on YouTube because I actually wanted to look up uh, if there was an interview from M Night. Maybe him reflecting on this because I was expecting a little bit of Kevin Smith Mallrats where maybe he ran <laughs> he ran from it, but then has come back and be like, you know what? Fuck you. I, I dug this. Unfortunately, where it was like, I presume, uh, like a electronic press kit type material, it's all love fest. Yeah. And I think what they did talk about was he didn't realize how much he was going to like the romance. He didn't realize how much he was going to fall, I guess – creatively for Bryce Dallas Howard as Ivy Walker. And so they got rid of some of the world building uh, sequences, which are furthering the idea of the threats they're facing. I actually don't have a problem with that. Cause I don't know how many times you can have Brendan Gleeson or William Hurt be like, don't go over there. I'm, if I tell you once, I'm telling you again, there are monsters there. We don't talk about them, but I'm going to spend another sequence talking about them and telling you here are the people we don't talk about. And now I'm doing it. I don't have a problem with that. I just think that the trappings of this were not as engaging as people thought, but they sort of blamed the twist. You know, spoiler alert for The Sixth Sense, someone being dead all along or a ghost story, I don't think is like really mind-blowing. But I think people were into the relationship with Bruce Willis and Haley Joel Osment so much they weren't looking to try to pick apart the the seams of this. And for whatever reason, this one, I don't think people were as into Bryce Dallas Howard and Joaquin Phoenix and their romance um, to go along with twists. And some of that's by design, right? I mean, he's they're backwards. I actually, on I think on rewatch, I kind of like the romance more because these kids are backwards as fuck. And why wouldn't they be? Because they've not been really exposed to anything. So this courtship is very childlike. And, um, do you think perhaps maybe having younger actors would have made it more palatable if they were not, you know, I'm not saying Bryce Dallas Howard looked middle-aged by any means. Cause I think she was in her early twenties, but they still look older to be acting that way. They look stunted and that maybe that made people uncomfortable. That's not even touching Adrian Brody. And I think that's probably the stuff that in 2023 people would have big issues with. I, you bring up a good point, but the thing is, I go back to Jack Nicholson as the Joker. You know, Tim Burton was like, yeah, we could get a younger guy, but then we don't get the acting chops and the star power of Jack Nicholson. So, like, I kind of look at Joaquin Phoenix, who is a, a fucking all-star. He's brilliant. Uh, not a great Joker, but brilliant, <laughs> unlike Jack Nicholson. You had to get that <laughs> shot in, didn't you? I, I see why you used that particular example, sir. <laughs> Another he's so clever good. ruse from my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so good in this. And you've got guys like William Hurt, who is giving the line of the film for me, and he where he is approaching Joaquin Phoenix's character after Joaquin was like, I, it's my fault. It's my fault that the you know these creatures came back. And he says, you are fearless in a way that I shall never know. It's a line that sticks with me. It, it stuck with me it's from, from 2004, and in 2023, I'm still thinking about that moment. It's so good. And the village is filled with stuff like this. So yeah, you can have younger actors in those roles, I suppose, but I don't know if you're going to have the kind of performances that I actually think get. it works better 
on rewatch. I think a lot of this works better on rewatch, which is weird because I was looking up some more modern reviews and they didn't seem to feel that way. Even the ones that were positive said like, well, it is, you know, it's not like six cents, which is fun on rewatch. Um, I don't think, I think this one's different. I don't think you're meant to be like, aha, that's why the door wouldn't open. That's, you know, all that stuff. Ah, that's why she's cold in the room. Um, I like the, once I know the sort of design of the world, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about from M night, although that's obviously part of it, but from the characters themselves who have designed this for future generations and their children, I like the idea of these somewhat stunted, uh, older people, probably in their mid late twenties who are experiencing courtship in this way. And it's comedically, you know, I'm, I'm never going to go against Judy Greer, but, but I love, you get a brief glimpse of, gosh, um, this is really small town slim pickings. And if I can't get Phoenix, who the fuck am I going to, well, who the fuck am I going to fuck? Like, you know, <laughs> like, and she, she brings a cold splash of reality of like, here's what you're putting, putting your kids through is, you have limited so much in the way of their options for life here. And yeah, you got to experience and you got scared of the world. Uh, William Hurt had a great uh, quote that I'm unfortunately a butcher and have to paraphrase here uh, where he said he thought the film was about um, big fears just cause causes a series of smaller fears for future generations that you never can outrun all of your fears. And all you can really do is pass down different fears to your children and they're, they're going to carry your burden in some small way. So whatever you've protected them from, is going to create something else entirely. Um, I like this movie and I, I didn't when it first came out, I didn't hate it. Um, and what I liked about it was like with a lot of these sort of questionable films or these divisive films, I really enjoyed the conversations I had with people that opening weekend and that week after. Um, and it is one that I've honestly revisited probably more than any other M night movie. So it's like every few years I sort of get a, it's an itch that has to be scratched and I don't disagree with him with Bryce Dallas Howard. In fact, <laughs> I disagree with Bryce Dallas Howard's career choices. Cause I'm like, why the fuck was she never this good again? What, <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> I agree hundred percent. And, and boy, going right into lady in the water was not helpful to anybody's career. Did you uh, get a chance to to read that that book, The Man Who Heard Voices? Not yet. Oh, it's so good. Not so yet. good. I know. I I believe me. I we are not allowing that movie to touch trilogy in theory. But I can't wait to read the book uh, because I immediately I was like, you know what, the village was because the I'm always surprised by how much I enjoy the village every time I watch it. And it's kind of the opposite of Phantom Menace. Every few years, I'm like, Phantom Menace wasn't that bad. And then I watch it. I'm like, oh, good God. <laughs> and then the village is the opposite. You may want to check our calendar. I put the Phantom Menace on our, our, our list for next year. Oh, no. <laughs> and then it's in, a, it's in a month with Batman Begins, too. <laughs> I'm just really trying to kill you. <laughs> After watching the village again and and enjoying it as much as I did, I was like, I was like, maybe I was wrong about Lady in the Water, a film that I watched multiple times in the theaters because I was too blind for my love of uh, Shyamalan. Because again, he's like the only Indian director in Hollywood, and he's making it big. I'm going to support that guy. Boy, Lady in the Water was it. It's got your boy Paul Giamatti too. Uh, I'm telling you, man, it's not one that I have. I think I've only watched it once, and I love that book so much. I've read that book. 
probably 10 times. It was that movie was worth it just to have that book. It is such a good look into a, a creative person. And I'm not just saying just in failure. I'm not just saying it's a car crash type thing. Like, look at how they fucked up. Let's, let's all... <laughs> because reading it, I am totally, I was way more sympathetic to a man who created a film that I really disliked. And I kind of see what he was striving for. And he, you know, thinks he has the parts in place. And it just doesn't turn out. It just doesn't, you know, just doesn't work. It feels like he, okay, this is going to sound so dumb. It feels like he's making it up as he goes along. Like, it's as if he hit go on the camera and, and he's telling the actors, you do it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Which is totally how I would direct a film. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my part. Now you do it. <laughs> yeah. Here's some sparse dialogue and kind of an outline. <laughs> what happened to the collaborative process? But the village, though, very much from start to finish feels like the vision of one individual who knows what he's doing. Uh, while I kind of agree with you about William Hurt's assertion that it could be about the the problems um, that you're avoiding, and then you get, you pass on just problems in in a different way. Ultimately, the film ends with them being like, "Well, we can keep this charade going a little longer." Which I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of that ending, but I am a huge fan of her succeeding in her quest to make sure that uh, Joaquin Phoenix will be okay. I mean, so uh, you're right. I would absolutely put this in romance. I mean, the whole the entire you know putting her hand out there brilliant like i loved each of those moments um the little back and forth like Shyamalan's dialogue has gotten odd over the years but no like i love kiki's delivery service but that little asian girl talking about it and, and knock at the cabin i was like Ugh, like stop it like you're purposely writing that in there <laughs> <laughs> because it's not wreck and ralph <laughs> I love you recoiling from a small child talking about a film, presumably that you like, and like, ugh, don't ruin this for everyone. And that my kid loves. She loves Kiki's Delivery Service. And like, even I was like, ah, come on. But uh, there's stuff in here, uh, the back and forth between her and Joaquin Phoenix, where she's like, no, I'm not going to tell you your cause. Stop asking. I enjoyed all that. And that could be because of the, the, the stunted growth of uh, emotional stunted growth that you mentioned. And and let, let's talk about Adrian Brody real quick. You're right. This is kind of a weird performance, especially in 2023. My favorite thing on IMDb uh, in terms of the, the interesting facts, the trivia facts that they list up there, is that Ashton Kutcher was originally cast as the Danoa character and he had to drop out. I would have loved to see Ashton Kutcher. Like, I, I kind of, he's kind of Michael Kelso in every single role. But I would love to see him as, as this character. He was, he was on a tear uh, during the early aughts because he also had the lead role in Elizabethtown. And I don't know if they started, I don't think they had started filming, but I think they were like going through like sort of the early rehearsals. And uh, <laughs> Crow fired him off that for Orlando Bloom. So I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was just coming in with that sort of punked attitude <laughs> like on these <laughs> sets. <laughs> but I can only say that when I was watching the, as I said, the I presume the DVD extras on YouTube, the making of The Village, uh, Adrian Brody, pretty fucking goofy. On set, he's cutting up. He he is he is not a method actor. He was like <laughs> fucking around with people, shooting the shit. So 
the one problem I would have with the Noah character is, I think, without getting into the sort of developmental challenges he would have had, unless you're going to go into that it's the shoddy homeschooling education system that we have, <laughs> which would have been interesting, uh, going back to the sort of stunted emotional growth of these characters. Uh, I think the love triangle plays better if M. Night, and he said that he won this film primarily for him, it's about innocence. I think he leaned a little too far into it with the Noah character. I think that having a proper love triangle and proper jealousy and having a guy in his mid 20s or whatever experiencing it for the first time and not knowing how to deal with it, I think that's far more interesting than him just being sort of. He's both innocent and like there's this malevolence to his character that is it's it's hard to reconcile um that and yeah i mean obviously it just doesn't really it probably didn't play really that well in 2004 but certainly not at the time of our recording in 2023 and you know what it's gonna be worse next year when we do the 20th anniversary people are really gonna they're gonna have those articles and those tweets ready to, to hate adrian brody and, and all involved i haven't said that Adrian Brody does do a good job. He emotes really well. He's frustrated that he, you know, stabs Joaquin Phoenix. Like, he, he does do a good job with the material. I think the material, you're right, that that is ultimately the problem. And, and without the developmental issues, you can't have him dressing up as a, I don't remember the creature, those that shall not be named. Uh, you can't have that sequence at the end. So, uh... It, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. He would have to go full heel turn there where he's and then it's, then you have, you know, do you have a couple more moments where it's like you have another parent be like, no, 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 no. I don't want this blind girl going out for medicine. You know, they're not we're not we're not getting any any of that. Um, so what I need you to do, kid, <laughs> we got this monster thing in the shed. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have any you know, I, I feel like William Hurt. That's why you cast someone like William Hurt is. And, and that's not, I mean, Sigourney Weaver, uh, you know, Brendan Gleeson, you know, had problems with your accent uh, just for this, you know, but that's fine. Uh, Cherry Jones, like, you've got these great, you know, the elders in, in this world. Um, I think they really sort of cruise through this very odd uh, situation that M. Night has presented us, and they ground it the best they can. And William Hart's got a couple of big speeches. One where he's arguing with the rest of the elders on allowing the character of Ivy to travel outside because, you know, the debate is like, this could, this could end this entire experiment. Um, and he gives this big speech about, about, you know, love. Uh, and it's, I guess the one time he's caving to it, but he's, he's hedging his bets. As you said, once we get to the end of it, it's like, well, I guess, if everything worked out, we'll just go, you know, we'll have the maypole dance and we'll just you know, we'll do our thing. Um, but, uh, you know, it's as close as he comes to saying, like, we've pretty much done as much we can to protect our children and look at what they're willing to give. Like, look at how, you know, you mentioned the fearlessness of the Lucius character played by Phoenix. Uh, look at how noble they've they've become. I wish someone would have said that about Judy Greer, but she doesn't really... Express. She just wants to, to bang. <laughs> she just she just really wants to get started on that. <laughs> she does. She does. And, and boy, she I, and again that supporting cast is so good. You've got Zuckerberg uh, Eisenberg right there. You know, you've got um, Judy Greer in that wonderful. Yeah. I mean, even Eisenberg is the brave twerp. You know, it's like you yeah. know what he does stand up there for a long time to let the ones that you know we do not name 
possibly, you know, bite him in the ass. Uh, so mm-hmm. props to you, future Lex Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> Brave man. It it has the ingredients, I think, to be a much better film. And I think what you and I are getting frustrated about is the fact that it's it doesn't capitalize on it all. Uh, it's so close. It's so close. Even the romance between William Hurt and Sigourney Weaver, even between them, it feels a little stunted as well because maybe the creation of this environment is beginning to affect the adults. You know, it, it, it speaks to uh, um, a lot of different themes that could be tackled here. And it's frustrating. I think we, we both want it to be better. Maybe I'm just committing too much to the world. I think it's probably because they all stink. That's why I think that they're so stunted. I think, I think they, don't, they don't have proper bathing going on. That's why he doesn't want to touch her. <laughs> the, the kids don't know any better. They've grown up with it. But, you know, proper hygiene. That's something that Sigourney Weaver and William Hurt, they miss properly. Even more than modern medicine, they're like, just give me a bottle of Old Spice. that you mentioned Ebert, by the way, because I actually copy and pasted a quote in my notes. <laughs> and then he said, uh, from his reviews, critics were enjoined after the screening to avoid revealing the plot secrets. That is not because we would spoil the movie for you. It's because if you knew them, you wouldn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, he, he's the goat. And in particular, when he decided to get catty, I mean, there was there was no one better. I mean, he came out with, like, two books that are like, I hate these movies or whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just reviews of, negative reviews of the movies that he hated. So, I mean, that's, yeah, brilliant. 